Hey, welcome to our latest Air Gigs in Session short. In this short episode, we sit down with Paul Santo, who is a Grammy-winning musician and sound engineer. He's um, worked with the likes of Aerosmith, Eric Clapton, Kid Rock, David Gilmore, Ringo Starr, Ozzy Osbourne, just to name a few. And if you haven't uh, checked out our full-length podcast with Paul, I would highly recommend checking that out because he he goes in deep on songwriting, production, and much more. In this little short, we just kind of touch in on some of his experiences working in Aerosmith's inner circle and in high-pressure, high-stakes environments. So I know you're going to dig it, get a lot out of it. So without further ado, let's drop in. Nice to see you, man. I just got in from some uh, yard sailing around town. There's a big yard sale thing going on. Nice, man. What, what amps do you got back there? I see a AC thirty. Oh, you don't want to. You want to see them all? Okay. Hey. I don't. I don't need to. I don't need to. No, I'm no, just no, curious. No. You, 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 it's quite an experience. So let me see. I'm trying to see while I'm pointing. Hang on a sec. There we go. Fifty-seven Tweed Harvard. Oh, wow. 65 Princeton Reverb, 62 Bandmaster. Nice. Hang on. 65 AC10. Wow. Uh, someone gave me that Marshall, um, whatchamacallit, slash amp, uh, Jubilee. In the center there, that's a Tweed Deluxe, an AC30, an Ampeg, uh, Super Echo Twin. Wow. Yeah. Uh, if you have enough light there, uh, just some old shit. 65 Vibrolux Reverb, a 60 Tweed Basement right there, 68 Twin Reverb. Then the the high velocity shit is here. Um, 63 Vox, 71 Marshall Super Lead. Wow. Where is it? I'm trying to figure it out where it is. There it is. Marshall Cab, a 20 watt Marshall Head, 62 Champ. More champs over there. Gadgets on the floor. There's stuff everywhere, man. <laughs> it's a nice collection of amps, man. Really. Yeah. Well, it's, there's actually a lot less than there used to be. There used to be a lot more. There was 70 at one point. Uh, wow. 65. Well, that's what was my hobby. Do you actually work on them? Like, No, I'm not a tech. Yeah. Collecting and stuff? Yeah, I, you know, it's what I, what I did for fun. You know, I, that, I enjoy it. Yeah. So I, I collected a lot of pedals and a lot of amps at one point and keyboards. If you could only have one of those amps, which one would you pick? Princeton Reverb. Yeah, that's my favorite too. 12 watts. Um, just a, It sounds good when it's cranked up. It's nice and clean. It's full. There's a lot going for it, you know? Yeah, totally. And then I have other amps over at the studio, some of my old road gear pedal board and road cases and that shit you know yeah cool man cool well as a guitar player it's fun to see all those toys it's very cool yeah i've been divesting myself of a lot of stuff because i'm just not uh, i moved a bunch of times i bought a house in maine uh, eight years ago and then I, I didn't stay there long and i moved like hammond organs and everything else. wow so i sold off my mellotron and a bunch of other stuff that uh that i had and uh and kept some things. I have a clavinet and Wurlitzer electric piano and some other stuff. You just you can't get that exact sound out of samples. Close, but you sure. can't get exact. And I was just tired of moving stuff. Yeah, it's just a lot of stuff, right? You know, particularly with moves and stuff. And at one point, I had like two of everything. Yeah. 
two two Neumann this and two yeah. big muffs, you know, sixty eight big muffs original ones and yeah. And I realized it was fun. I had a lot of fun collecting it, and it used to be fun going out to yard sales and flea markets. And of course, that changed. Um, you know, everybody got involved with the internet and eBay, and we were just out. We just um, there's a townwide flea market going on. And uh, we just found a beautiful Adirondack chair. Like, this thing must weigh 50 pounds. Beautiful wood, 35 bucks. Oh, that's nice. Putting that out in our backyard, we found a peace sign, a light-up peace sign for $5. Oh, nice. Yeah. Cool, man. You can find – I have a buddy of mine. He's like – he's just such a he, – he's in the art world, so he knows good stuff. But he's always excavating – he found uh, cream original cream masters – from band cream a recording that was never released in this basement that he was like cleaning out that he was overseeing where where what where in new in york the city in new york city yeah i used to go remember the flea market down on 23rd every saturday yeah the one with the the building that goes like that like the yeah, it, was an open, it was an open air flea market in between a couple of buildings and uh you'd you'd find the strangest things there so whenever i was in new york on a saturday i would walk down and once there was uh, some two inch twenty four David Bowie masters. Yeah, I don't know if there were safeties. I don't remember now because years ago probably. And they wanted like an enormous amount of money at the time, which was like five hundred dollars or a thousand dollars. And you couldn't verify it. You're at a flea market, but a lot of that stuff floated around. You know, the record plant would throw stuff out in the dumpster, and I know people who would get stuff out of the dumpster. Yeah, and. Uh, so a lot of that stuff has happened, you know, the stuff is floating around. So I wonder, that's interesting because Cream did record in New York at, at Atlantic. Yeah. Yeah, I'm a Cream fan. I went, I think it was 2006 or 2007, they did the reunion tour. And I don't usually go to reunions or do anything. I don't like that stuff. Uh, but I made an exception because I, I, I really wanted to see the three of them play. Yeah. And uh, so I went to Royal Albert Hall. I just flew over by my side, bought tickets here in the States. And just went over and, and went and sat in the 16th row. It, it was great. Oh, I bet. I bet, man. Well, cool. So with these in-session shorts, we like to try to like shine a light on a past memory and experience that really left an imprint on you, whether it was like a, an experience in the studio, on tour, or just in an informal setting, something from your career that kind of was a... Uh, not a turning point, but like left a big impression about how to conduct yourself, how to handle your business, etc. So I was just wondering if you had anything along those lines that you might like to share. I, you know, I got to tell you, there's been dozens of these th things that, that have happened and, and it's been screw ups, you know, where I did something wrong, you know, I, or I overlooked something and I hate overlooking things. And, uh, one time we were, um, we were in the Boneyard with Aerosmith, and um, who's the guy who produced Alanis Morissette? Glenn Ballard. Okay, so we're, we, for some reason, Glenn was there to work with Aerosmith on something. I don't know if it was something he co-wrote or who's, I, I don't remember what it was. But this was the early days of Pro Tools, and in the early days of Pro Tools, early 2000s, you'd use an external drive, and you could chain them, and, and it could be, it was all scuzzy. But there had to be a terminator, which was just this thing that it's almost like a grounding plug, sort of, that had to be at the last one or the machine wouldn't recognize anything. So all of our drives at the Boneyard were behind the console 
And I, I was nimble, so I could get in there. So, you know, they're talking. They, Paul, could you do this and get these drives set up? Open the stuff we were working on yesterday. Yeah, no problem. So I'm in there, and, and I hook the drives up. And I'm thinking about 10 different things. And you got Glenn Ballard and Joe Perry and Steven Tyler and I don't know who else was there, you know, of, of import. And I crawl back out, and the other guy I worked with is trying to boot the system. And he boot, boots the system, and he looks, and no drives are mounting. No drives are mounting. Boots it again. Nothing's going on. You know, and people are getting edgy, you know, a little bit because we want to get to work and everything. So finally I said, I, I got to check the, the chain. You know, I crawl back under and I look and there's no Terminator at the end. And it was my fault. So I just said, it's my fault. I forgot to put the Terminator on the end. And I came out and I felt embarrassed, you know, because I didn't usually forget things. I was really good about uh, about remembering those sorts of things. And, you know, we proceeded to work and everything was fine. And I don't think anybody thought much of it outside of me. But it really struck me in that I continue, I triple check, quadruple check things. And I still have to do it now. I have to check up with backups or when I'm erasing something or when I'm doing, I always have to double check, double, triple check. It made a big impression on me that you, you make a big mistake in front of a room full of important musicians and artists and everything. And you don't really want to do that again and look foolish. Absolutely. Do, do you like make a punch list for yourself or you just have it mentally like when you No, in my mind, it depends what I'm doing, but I apply yeah. it to I always try to apply it to everything, whether I'm mowing the lawn or doing something outside or when I'm doing backups, you have to be very careful that you make sure you keep the latest revisions and this and that. And it, I, I haven't lost much, thankfully, knock on wood in my life. Uh, I think two things I've lost and that was because of carelessness. You know, right. two, two pieces of music that I've been working on that I deleted the newer version, kept the old version by oh, mistake. Yeah. Yeah, that's trouble. Now, when when you get in those high pressure situations, is that natural? Like, do you do you, do you excel in those situations? Do you, do you feel like you you're always adapting to them or tense? if I could be immodest about it, I think I excel in them because. Before I started working for Aerosmith in the late 90s, I had my own studio and it was pretty casual, but I was still very detail oriented and, and, and very careful about things like pitch and time and things, you know, not the plug in, but the pitch, yeah. pitch and time in, in, in when recording. And, and I thought that I had a pretty good attention to detail on that. And then I started working for these guys, particularly Steven, and there was an expectation that was probably unreasonable you know that that it's hard to explain but you had to be there before he got there sure. you know your brain had to arrive at where he was going to land before he even really thought of it and i learned quickly that i really liked this high expectation situation i really liked that people cared even if they would just a little manic, you know, and they weren't necessarily doing it out of quality control, but they were doing it out of too many cups of coffee. Yeah. Uh, but that really wasn't the case that Joe, Stephen mainly uh, were the guys that always had a high expectation for everything. And they should, because that's why they got where they were. So I fit in well. I mean, I got beat up a little bit here and there where I fell a little short. And I made sure that I didn't fall short again. And uh, I think that's why I lasted a long time with them, besides not 
getting into their business and other things, but absolutely love the pressure and, and the expectations. And as a side note, and I was talking to someone about it last week, it's after you've worked for them in that position for so many years, everything else is a cakewalk is really is easy because I've hardly ever found anybody else who has that high a bar. Yeah, man. And, and as far as like when you found that thing with the Terminator, like, did you need to own that? Did you need to say it was me or could you have just said, Oh, I found thing. It got it sorted. Uh, out. No, um, I could have, because there's a lot of people in on cruise. If you've ever worked with bands or on the road or in the studio and, um, people are very, very protective of their position. People are very overly so a lot of times. And so they always want to seemingly deflect, uh, their humanity. They want to deflect the fact that they made a mistake or they want to roll somebody else under the bus. And I experienced a lot of that um, firsthand. And I didn't want to ever be like that. I don't want to be like that. That's not my thing. Uh, during that same period, I was out moving a road case in Joe Perry's garage. And there was a Aston Martin DB7 parked in the garage. And, of course, I pushed the road case into the DB7 and dented it. Right. So I had, I just stood there and I thought about it for a minute and I just went upstairs and went, uh, Joe, and I didn't know him well at, at that time, not the way I know him now. And I just said, I got to tell you, I, you know, I, a road case got away from me and I was bringing it in and it banged the car and it put a dent in it. And he was like, it's okay. I appreciate you telling me. Of course, later, probably a year or two or three later, we were parked. We were all there. A lot of times there would be 20, 25 people, you know, there's a crew, the band media sometimes. And we would all park our cars in the parking lot of, of Joe's house. And he came out with a, a, a it was like a plastic pellet Uzi <laughs> and he was just firing it. And then he fired it right along the side of my car and it just went right along the side of my car. And it didn't look like it did anything until I looked at it at a certain angle. And there were just tiny little pock marks oh. all the way along. One side. And, and, I, and I mentioned it to him years later. And he laughed. And he said, uh, I don't know, he made some equivocal statement about it that made me chuckle that it, I pretty much had it coming to me <laughs> because of what I did to his car. So, and it was, it was fine. I thought it was funny. you know. But it wasn't a direct. Uh, quid pro quo for for what you know <laughs> i mean maybe subliminally in the back of his yeah. mind but he would we was just you know we would always take our recreation seriously too we were always doing funny stuff and they always had the means to do crazy things like have uh you know potato guns that you filled with aquanet and you put a pa potato in it. it was like 10 feet long and <laughs> shoot it would go like 200 yards you know and so cool uh, work hard and play hard Sounds well, like. there were long, long days, yeah. long days and then long weeks and months working with them because they and I don't like I, I don't think that's particularly a good way to make records myself to spend that much time. I, I just I think it dilutes the intention a lot of times. It's very I don't always see it as getting to the essence of something more than it, it sort of it keeps you comfortable and it prolongs the the the. Uh, not the torture, but <laughs> it prolongs the experience. That was a great anecdote. I mean, it's just when things are high stakes sometimes, uh, you know, it can push the levers to where you're suddenly in a situation where you say, oh, you know, like. It can bring the worst out in people who yeah. might be 
inherently a little dishonest. Correct. Correct. If that's, if that's an okay way of putting it. Correct. Once you get a taste of it, it's like I've known people who have worked for some of these bands, and when they lost the gigs, or they were fired for whatever reason, or they were replaced because it was just time. You know, it it had run its course. They they lost their identities and, and, and sense of self a lot. And I didn't think that was a good idea because I wasn't the guy who worked for him. Or the, you know, I am that guy, but it wasn't in my mind because I have other priorities. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Well, thank you, man. This has been an awesome little chat. We really appreciate it. Everyone be sure to check out Paul on his Air Gigs page, Paul Santo, S-A-N-T-O. And he's offering music coaching, guitar, keys, you know, session guitar, keys, and the rest. So until the next one, thanks for tuning in and stay tuned for more to come.